Hey, Christine here. I just wanted to let you know that I noticed while I was editing this episode that there were a few issues with my microphone specifically. It sounds like sometimes the volume input was maxed out. And so if you're listening to this episode and it sounds a little wonky, please just know that I know it sounds wonky, but I still think that this interview is going to be super encouraging to those who listen. And so please just overlook the audio malfunction and enjoy listening to Pastor Eric Cobb. And I can point to any reason why it came on then. I mean, I used to kind of, you know, dig really hard and go, you know, you're not reading your Bible as much. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. You're not keeping your thoughts captive. But it wasn't any of that. It was just, you know, all of a sudden this kind of black hole opens up and everything's dark. It's like a perception problem. Hey friends, welcome to the Hope and Help Project, the podcast that cultivates compassionate biblical conversations about life's challenging problems. I'm your host, Christine Chapel, and I'm so glad you're here to join in on today's conversation with Pastor Eric Cobb. Today we'll be discussing the topic of depression. Because depression is something that has touched our lives, and because so many of my listeners are well acquainted with sorrow, I wanted to invite Eric onto the show to talk about his experiences with despondency, some of the mysterious components of it, and how the scriptures really help us to walk through seasons of dread and darkness. Eric was one of my pastors when I lived in California and played a key role not only in my discipleship and growth as a new Christian, but also in offering counsel when I was walking through depression myself. In fact, it was through Eric that I became familiar with the Institute for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship and subsequently gained an interest in becoming a certified biblical counselor. If this is your first time listening to the show, be sure to learn more about the Hope and Help Project by visiting faithfulsparrow.com forward slash project. The link is posted in the show description and by visiting that page, you can learn all about the mission of the podcast. Before we get started, let me say a little more about our guest. Eric Cobb is an equine veterinarian and one of the founding elders of Covenant Grace Church in Menifee, California. Eric and his wife, Natasha, have three kids, two cats, and two tortoises. Hey, Eric, thanks so much for joining me on the show today. Totally glad to do it. I'm excited to talk about this. I am so thankful to have had the chance to sit under your teaching and discipleship as a new believer in Christ. I think it's been seven, eight years now. One of the things that was so comforting to me was that you did occasionally share about your own experiences with depression that would come and go in apparently really mysterious ways. Would you share with us how depression has affected your life, perhaps when you first began to notice it and then the pattern that ensued afterwards? Yeah, I'm glad that was helpful. I didn't used to preach about this particular personal struggle of depression until maybe a couple of years ago. And I mean, there's a lot more people in the church dealing with depression than we would have known. And so it's really common. I'll talk about depression in really descriptive ways and have tons of positive feedback from it where people are just, you know, blown away. Oh, you too, kind of a, a thing. And so I don't think I dealt with like depression the way I do now until probably a few years after I'm a veterinarian. So a couple of years after I became a veterinarian, so sometime in my thirties and the way of manifest for me is just every few weeks, once, twice a month, all of a sudden, really suddenly darkness would just like settle in kind of like a black hole sucking all the hope out of me. And that would happen in, in 
you know, and I can point to any reason why it came on then. I mean, I used to kind of, you know, dig really hard and go, you know, you're not reading your Bible as much. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. You're not keeping your thoughts captive. But it wasn't any of that. It was just, you know, all of a sudden this kind of black hole opens up and everything's dark. It's like a perception problem. You know, it's the opposite of rose colored glasses, what it is. It's all of a sudden everything you could deal with well before just the normal life problems, all of a sudden they're unbearable. You can't juggle the things you used to be able to juggle. And um, so anyway, that would settle on me every few weeks, all of a sudden stay for a couple of days and then suddenly lift for no good reason. So I, I wish I could really nail down exactly what makes it come and go, but but I don't really know. I mean, I've kind of tracked all kinds of different things to try and figure it out, but it's just a sudden darkness. One of the really challenging things about experiencing depression as a Christian is the notion that church culture has fostered in the past, which is it leaves little to no room for depression to really be a valid experience in a believer's life. Sometimes that own presumption comes from within ourselves, like you talked about really rooting in and digging to see what am I not doing mm-hmm. right? What is going on? I'm causing this. How can I fix it? And so we self-condemn for arriving into a season of mourning, mm-hmm. perhaps without, like you said, any no- noticeable cause. Have you found that the voices from without or the voices from within are more harsh to your experience as you've battled through depression in the past. And why do you think that is? Yeah. You know, I know that's been a lot of people's experience is, is feeling isolated. I think that's why people resonate when I do preach on it. They're like, whoa, okay, we can talk about this. And then suddenly you have a bunch of people that want to talk about it. It's interesting though. I, I might be a little weird this way. I never really felt condemned about depression either from, you know, other Christians or by scripture or even by myself, which is, and I think that's probably because by the time I started to deal with this, I had already been well acquainted with people like Martin Lloyd-Jones and Spurgeon and you know Jonathan Edwards and the Psalms and just a lot of Christians and believers that had dealt with darkness before. And so I definitely, so I never really felt condemned either by myself or by others, but I mean, I certainly felt frustrated. I mean, it's frustrating to lose days of your life, (laughs) you know, that way. And it's miserable and it's hopeless, but I didn't really feel condemned. I didn't also, but I didn't have the practical skills to know how to deal with it either. So, I mean, definitely miserable, but I mean, I knew from like listening to like, like even John Piper that I listened to before, and he did a lot of pastor's conferences where he did biographies, and he always seemed to kind of take a beeline right to anyone that was depressed and talk about that, probably because of his own things. But I knew that some of the people that were closest to God in church history and in scripture were also some of the saddest people, like that they had gone through great darkness. And of course, we have the Psalms, right? We have like tons of Psalms of lament. And so, I mean, I had that biblical background of where I didn't feel condemned by it, but, you know, that doesn't make it any more pleasant. I guess I guess it's one less burden that I had. Yeah, and I think my experience with it was the total opposite, because when mm. I was a new believer, you know, I was on fire for the Lord and definitely did not get the memo that depression yes. could continue to be a part yeah. of my 
of my Christian life, you know, because I thought uh-huh. I'm going to be new and these things are not going to happen. And, and so then because it is happening, it must be my fault. And not right. to say that, hey, I mean, when I do have seasons of depression, I don't handle them sinlessly, that's for sure. But, you know, right. just that mystery component of why is this happening when I can't put my finger on what in the world could be causing it is definitely frustrating. Whether you feel condemned about it or you just feel frustrated, it's something that just kind of adds fuel to the fire of hopelessness that you totally. really just don't know how to respond. You know, I haven't been a part of it ton of different church cultures, but it, it might be that the circles that we've been in are a little bit more predisposed to feeling condemning because they're kind of upbeat churches. Mm. You know, there's this kind of emphasis on joy and happy and expressive worship and, you know, that kind of stuff. And I think, you know, in, in culturally, I think as Americans, we're very can-do people. We don't have a lot of time for people that can't kind of get on board and get the job done. And, you know, everything isn't their pleasure, (laughs) you know, to do. And so I think we might have a cultural thing, too. And I don't know that because I haven't been in other cultures. But I would imagine that there would be, especially since there's so much biblical material on this, that there would be other church environments and even other, like, cultural backgrounds that would, it would be okay to not be happy slappy, you know? Right, where suffering is a lot of pressure. Right, because in other cultures, you know, there are there's very real suffering happening. I mean, there's real suffering happening here in America, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but there's very real suffering and persecution happening in other areas where suffering is a part of your daily life. It's not something where you say, "Oh, because this is happening, something is wrong." You know, suffering is part of life. But you know, Mm -hmm. in our culture and even in our church culture, we tend to view suffering and lament as things that Mm -hmm. show a lack of faith. Instead of our responses of faith, you know, I lament because I'm trusting God, but this still hurts, you know, and that's yeah. um, something that we have talked about on the show uh, with some past guests. Can you remember times in the past when you have walked through a depressive episode and you recall a few specific ways the Lord ministered to you in those dark places? What do you think your biggest redemptive benefits have been as a result of God allowing despondency to be woven into your journey? That's a good question. Um, I think... I think, so I have had the same Bible forever and I circle things and make little notes in the margin and stuff like that. And one of the things I noticed, especially as I'm traveling through the Psalms or Second Corinthians or things like that, is I'll have little markings in there. And I think it's helped me to actually be nourished and get hope from scripture. Like that I, I got, I got brought to a place where I like had to find a way to find something in here <laughs> that would make me want to survive, you know, not that would like be a silver bullet and then I suddenly feel better, but just like something I could grab onto that like was meaningful. And it's funny because I think a lot of these passages that mean the most to me, I think I had underlined and made those notes at times that were really dark times, you know, and I don't think I'd have that kind of deep attachment to some of this that I have now, you know. And I'd also say that uh, probably compassion for others, I would hope, I mean, you know, it sounds kind of weird to say, you know, I've got all this compassion, but I think whatever compassion I do have, some of it came from from that kind of suffering. And I think that goes with any suffering. I mean, physical suffering and all that stuff to, too gives you some compassion to where you're not just looking at the people in your church and thinking, you guys producing more, you know? Right. Why aren't you just pulling yourselves up and get, and because you look out there and you go like, I'm sure like a third of you just like had a really hard time even getting out of bed this morning, you know? Right. And so it just gives you that more of an understanding of like, these people might look fine. They're probably not fine because I looked fine and I wasn't fine, <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing. And I think ability to help others, right? So like Second Corinthians talks about. and Oh, another one would be, I think, is 
I really, really, really like to get lots of things done. Like I love productivity. I like any hack that'll make me more productive. And I think there's nothing like a few days of depression to um, slow you down, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'll put saying, the brakes on it, yep. Yeah, you know what? You're not going to do anything now, you know, that kind of thing. And then one last thing I'd say is hope in a resurrected body. Yeah, no, I was actually... How will that be? Right? Yeah, I was actually... That's interesting that you mentioned that on the way home from driving my kids through VVS. I was uh, actually thinking about the day when we won't have to be talking about podcasts with suffering and pain because, hey, well, you know, this is just a temporary issue, really. I mean, they're very difficult mm -hmm. issues, but they're temporary issues. And, and that definitely adds a lot of hope, even though in the moment, <laughs> it's difficult for that hope to really yeah. do much, but mm -hmm. just get us to survive maybe the next breath, because <laughs> we're not really feeling right. the hope as much as just clinging on to it. Recently, you found some relief for your sorrows. Would you share how you stumbled upon a particular lifestyle change and how you have seen it affect your despondency as a result? Yeah, it's so this is a little weird. Okay, so I started doing like a ketogenic diet and I'm not the guy that like suggests <laughs> these kinds of things. So it's kind of weird to talk about, but I basically I wanted to be able to fit into my pants. And so I did a <laughs> ketogenic diet to lose some weight, but then the and it worked. And um, for those who don't know, a ketogenic diet is just a ridiculously low carbohydrate diet. So you're basically eating like just fat and protein and it all seems very unhealthy. But anyway, so it worked. Um, but one thing that I noticed this year when I went off of it is I had a big bout of depression. And then I tracked back and thought, I've never had a bout of depression while I was doing this ketogenic thing. So I don't know what to make of that. That's weird. Um, I don't know if the effects of that will last or whether it's just some weird fluke. But I mean, we're talking several months where I should have had this happen to me six, seven times mm -hmm. in, in that time period. And so I don't know what to make of it. It is a very depressing way to eat. <laughs> so I don't know that like it's sustainable for, mm -hmm. for regular people. And it might be something in all the tons of things that I've cut out that might be doing it. I don't know. So anyway, I'm not I'm not typically the type to like recommend like a diet or a nutritional change for things i i tend to not mm -hmm. be into all that but it has worked so i it's strange well and it's just interesting you know for you to share that because i'm not at mm -hmm. all offering it as a remedy for anyone you know who's yeah. going through depression <laughs> I'm either. Real hesitant about it. but mm -hmm. here's the thing is what i think it helps us to realize is that depression is not a one-size-fits-all issue sure. you know we have so many things mysteriously going on inside of our bodies whether it's in with the brain it's with the diet yes. it's with the whatever it is it's that god area right the mysterious area that we don't have control over necessarily and so you know it's really difficult to put fingers on things when they're working but hey if it works we praise god and if it's not working we pray to god and say can exactly. you help me in some other way what, what is there is there anything i can do and if there's not anything i can do well lord help me to trust you through this while we yeah. walk through and i know that one day you will deliver me for <laughs> when it whether it's yeah. the next morning or two weeks or a few months or calling us home, whatever it is. So um, thank you for yeah. sharing that. I know it was a little yeah, awkward. Yeah, no problem. But... I'd, want, I'd want anything. I mean, I know how miserable it is to be stuck in the darkness. And so if there was, you know, anything that might help somebody else, I mean, I would want them to know. So Absolutely. Well, and, you know, just even just a regular diet 
you know, attention to your he a healthy diet is important. So whether it's, you know, the keto or just simply maybe making healthier changes to eat clean, healthy, sure. you know, sh less artificial ingredients, things like that. I'm not a dietitian. I'm not offering medical advice <laughs> and neither is Pastor Eric. So please don't, yep. <laughs> don't yep. hold us to it. But, you know, a general rule of thumb, drinking water and having a good diet is, it can't hurt you, right? I mean, is, is that, is it, are there any negatives? I'm not sure. But speaking of which, you know, we like to be problem solvers. And sometimes like we were just talking about, you know, trying to find out are there remedies that we can figure out to really address the issue of the mystery of depression. And it's no different when it comes to analyzing why we're feeling the way that we're feeling. And while I'm the first person to admit that trying to come up with a list of ingredients for my depressive episodes in the past has been almost an obsession, I'm not sure we can always exclusively diagnose depression as having solely a spiritual or solely a physical mm -hmm. cause. I believe there is sometimes a third element at play, and I've mentioned it already, one that appears to be a gray area, but I like to call it God area. And it's in this mm -hmm. God area that we encounter the mystery of being cast down for really purposes and reasons that we just don't know. Is there a narrative in the scriptures that would be helpful for us to consider in order to have a better understanding of how to humble ourselves to that God area in our depressions and in a way, I guess, learn how to trust the Lord with those parts of our sorrows that we can't make sense of? Yeah, I mean, I love and I preached on last year um, just the story of Elijah. You know, so yeah. you, you have Elijah has this great victory on Mount Carmel. Then he has this pretty unexpected collapse emotionally, right? Right. Totally falls into depression. There's no good reason for it. He just has this great victory. All of a sudden, he's, you know, afraid of Jezebel for no apparent reason. I mean, she wants to kill him, but she's always wanted to kill him. You know, like, mm -hmm. so all of a sudden, he just comes, you know, unhinged. And a couple of things I really like in that story is, is one is that, that the Lord walks with Elijah in his darkness for a really long time. Like the Lord isn't like really looking to fix him immediately. Right. And when you look at like, it's really interesting when you go through it, it looks like they walked hundreds of miles over seven weeks, probably like 300 miles. I say they, because you know, the Lord was with them the whole time. He goes one place, the Lord pops up and talks to him and walks to another place. The Lord pops up and talks to him. And, and it would look like a random, aimless, pointless wandering, right? Mm -hmm. To anybody that was watching him, they'd be like, what is he doing? You know? But the cool thing is it's not aimless because the Lord's walking with him and the Lord's content to just continue to walk with Elijah in his darkness until he's ready to talk and until the blindness and the, you know, the, the darkness lifts. And I just think that's such a compelling picture of the Lord. And then, then you see him like meeting him with, you know, with bread. He gives him bread, <laughs> you know, he gives yeah. him like, we were talking about stuff that just like common grace, you know, stuff that might help us that the Lord the Lord met him with bread and a touch, you know, and you think about like the way the Lord's meeting with us all the time when we're in our darkness through ordinary common grace creation things like sunset or a tree or clouds or a mountain or some birds. And I just think that when we're in our darkness, we need to like try as much as we can to be alert to that, you know, that he, he really is there and he's, and he's conting at, tacting us through you know, just really common grace things. I found that like nature has been helpful. Mm -hmm. um, I, fiction has been, I've never been a fiction person, but a couple of years ago I started reading some fiction because a friend of mine who deals with depression was like, you read fiction. And I go, no. And he goes, you know, I know why that is. You think it's a waste of time, right? 
And I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> but he's like, you need to be pulled out of your own story for a bit, you know? And mm-hmm. so just giving me a story to read. It, obviously, it's hard to read sometimes when you're depressed. So that, that can be a challenge. Sometimes movies are helpful. Sometimes conversations with friends, exercise, sleep, coffee can be massively helpful. I've been amazed by music. I actually have a couple of playlists on my Spotify that, you know, are particularly helpful. Not dark music, because <laughs> mm-hmm. that's the music I want to put on. But what I should put on is, is you know, and just using those like common grace things. Spurgeon, you know, he said, um, a, a mouthful of sea air and a stiff wa- uh, walk in the wind's face will not give grace to the soul, but it will yield oxygen to the body, which is the next best thing, you know? Yeah. Like, and just sometimes you know, some of those quote unquote, don't seem real spiritual type solutions. I need to get outside. I need to go for a walk. I need to think about a different story than mine, you know, Absolutely. I need to go serve somebody and I need to do the next right thing. Right. You know, I've had situations where, you know, I'm at home in total darkness in, in my own mind. And, you know, what's the next right thing? Well, it's always the right thing to watch a movie with my daughter. It's mm. always the right thing to mow the lawn. <laughs> you know, it's always the right <laughs> Thing to read to my kid you know there's there's certain things that you know are the right thing to do and you do them even you know just hoping that he'll meet you in those absolutely yeah that all really makes a lot of sense and I remember in my sorrows when it a few years ago when it was really difficult really to I have honestly had not even sensed God's presence and I did exactly what you were talking about in terms of just really looking to nature not like to yeah. worship nature but just right. to it's like if I cannot feel like I can commune with God in any other way, then I'm going to touch this tree (laughs) and Mm -hmm. feel the tree bark and just wonder about God made that. And I can't do something like that. So that's cool, but I'm still sad, (laughs) you know, like I don't know what else to do, but it's just somehow just grasping onto the fact that God is still present in the world, even though it doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like he's present in my mind Mm -hmm. at that moment in ways that it used to be so intimate and vibrant yeah. and now you're just feeling yeah. that distance and that that chill and that almost a spiritual emptiness and so i definitely agree with what you said there now when our depressions carry with them an element of mystery like we've been talking about it can be frustrating and discouraging and can even tempt us to hopelessness. And maybe we turn to the scriptures to find comfort, but we don't see the word depression anywhere, and we just don't know where to turn to try to find Mm -hmm. wisdom on how to respond to it. I think this is where the Psalms really shine light in the darkness for us because of their use of metaphor in describing experiences and the sorrows in life. Why do you think biblical metaphor in the Psalms is important to become familiar with? And can you share some examples that might help give us words to an otherwise unexplainable experience? That's good. Uh, The Psalms, they totally shine in this area. I mean, I think it was William Styron who wrote that. uh, Have you ever have you read um, Darkness Visible by William Styron? No, he's. Yeah. Okay. So it's great. He's not a believer, but he's, his book is a very short book, just describing what depression feels like. Hmm. And I just think totally incredible for somebody that, especially for like a spouse of somebody that's depressed or even just hear, like hearing your own depression described in a really vivid way is super helpful. I mean, um, there was a psychologist, uh, Andrew Solomon, he said, since depression is a condition that is almost unimaginable to anyone who has not known it, its diagnosis depends on metaphor. Right. And and the Psalms are totally full of that. I'm just thinking of like Psalm 42, 43, 88, 69. 
I mean, there's descriptions of like depression as being like in Psalm 42, it says like, like a deer panting for water. So it's like, it's like I'm dying of thirst, right? There's this, you know, just sense of just wasting away or Psalm 42 also says, my tears have been my food day and night, you know, or Psalm 69 talks about, I am weary from all my crying. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim from waiting. It's described as falling, you know, 42, six, it says, why are you cast down on my soul? He's describing it as a feeling of like sliding or sinking out of control, slipping like on slippery rocks, you know, 69 talks about that. I, I sink in the mire where there's no foothold. It's like you're falling into an abyss and you're wondering if there's any bottom. I mean, you felt that before, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, these descriptions are so good. Or 42, seven talks about all your breakers and waves have gone over me. So this is like depression feels like drowning. It feels like suffocation. And, um, and a lot of people that deal with depression have that description that it feels suffocating. 69.1 says, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck and I have come into deep waters and the flood sweeps me away. You know, it's like, those are good descriptions of depression. Right. You know, I mean, you read that and you're like, that's exactly right. And it's described as like waves because they're relentless, right? Like the sorrow, the pain, the, the hopelessness is like wave after wave after wave. Or the, you know, the Psalms talk about it being isolated. 42.9 says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? The psalmist always saying, why have you forgotten me? Why have you rejected me? Why, why does anybody remember me anymore? You know, am I dead to you? You know, there's this whole like, and, then, and yet when we read descriptions like that, we realize we're not isolated, you know, because there's lots of people that have experienced this. Like the psalmist, who we would assume is a very holy person, felt right. isolated. Or I think you'd mentioned this earlier, like Psalm 4210, as with a deadly wound in my bones, you know, that it's like, like you're, I think you said something about wounds that have blood get bandaged. Yeah. But he's talking here about like depression being like a deadly wound in your soul. That's just seeping, you know, or, you know, he talks about it as darkness and, or 42, five says, Oh my soul, why are you in turmoil within me? Cause a lot of times anxiety goes with depression. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's a, there's an inner turmoil. And then, of course, there's tons of passages that talk about it as darkness. And I just find it incredibly liberating, not always in the moment, but it's helpful even when you're in the darkness, but um, to hear it described. Right. And be like, oh, that's that's me. It's not just me. It's like this person who lived thousands of years ago experienced it. And, you know, Paul talks about it, too. Right. You know, we were so utterly burdened, you know, that we despaired of life itself. And so I just think. Yeah, the metaphor thing's so important because depression is, I th I'd read this somewhere, but depression is a really wimpy word for what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, like you have a depression in your lawn, or, you know, a little dip in your lawn or something, you know, mm -hmm. like depression, it's no, it's like, it's a, it's a hurricane, right? You know, it's a black hole. It's a bottomless pit. It's, I mean, it's not a depression. <laughs> you know, right. Like, I've described it in the past as a nuclear decimation of the soul. <laughs> just totally. Is yeah, what, it's what just it is like feels shattered. like. Right. Yeah. And it's just, it's so helpful to have somebody describe that because, oh, you, you know, you're a little depressed. It makes it sound like, oh, you're a little bummed out. It's like, no, like there is inside me right now a black hole sucked every bit of hope I have. And 
everything I see is darkness. It's like, now this is going to be a weird example. I don't know if you want this or not, but I don't know if you've seen Stranger Things. I have not, but, but I'll take it. <laughs> okay. So some of these people that are affected by the thing that's going on in Stranger Things, they end up in a place called the Upside Down. And it's a completely, it, it looks similar to wherever they were, their school or whatever, but it's like completely dark and has this weird textury, disgusting material all over everything. And I just think, wow, what a description of depression of like, you woke up in the upside down, <laughs> you know, you mm -hmm. woke up and it looks like my house, but it's darker, you know? Yeah. And so anyway, love the metaphors. I think it's super helpful. And I think if we're to show people that deal with it and read them some of those passages in the Psalms or, you know, by Common Grace, William Styron's book, Darkness Visible, uh, the audiobook, by the way, is read by him and it's like gripping. Hmm. And um, it, to hear it described is somewhat helpful in and of itself. Yeah, I think even just knowing that these words are there in the Bible, given by God, the <laughs> they're yeah. given by God to us. Right? You know, Zach Eswine said in our first, our very first episode, he said that this shows that God's not surprised. Mm -hmm. This isn't a surprise when we feel this way. He's not yeah. taken aback and shocked that we're having mm -hmm. these experiences. You know, Christ himself felt these experiences in the Garden mm -hmm. of Gethsemane and during his passion. And so depression is not an abnormal part of the Christian experience. And I think that right. the metaphor and the Psalms specifically really helps to reinforce that, which, you know, can offer some level of comfort in the moment, but especially for those trying to comfort other people to know yes. that, you know, hey, this is a valid experience. Now, can depression be the result of sinful choices and behaviors? Of course, we're not saying that, mm -hmm. but the pain is real, even though you can't mm -hmm. see it. Psalm 32 and 51 both have descriptions in there that sound like depression. And both of those situations were issues of sin, right? Right. And so you have like the bones drying up and all that. So that's a similar description. But, you know, when you look at Psalm 42, 43, there's no indication that person's in sin. Right. So, you know, we have an example like what conviction can feel like depression. But this other thing, Psalm 42, 43, I mean, that's definitely not, you know, a person that's in sin. And another thing, you know, I think this is a fun thought. So if you think about the, the massive amount of the Psalms that are laments, right? Mm -hmm. Lots of them, if you go through the Psalms. So this is their worship um, book, right? This is their hymn book. And so commonly when they would gather for worship, they would all sing a lament, whether they felt sad or not. Now, how healthy is that? That as a worshiping community, everybody gets together and goes, you know what, maybe only a third of you are sad. We are all going to sing this super sad song right now. I, I just think that that normalized it, you know? And that clearly took the stigma away if we're all going to sing regularly lamenting songs together. Yeah, no, I think that's just a really great visual example of the, the body of Christ mourning with those who mourn and weeping with those mm -hmm. who weep. Uh, even if you're not in that same spot, you're saying, well, you're part of the body and we are part of one another <laughs> in Christ. And so if part of my yeah. body is hurting, I want to help tend to it. And it's not an inconvenience or it's not an interruption or it's not, you know, a mm -hmm. Debbie Downer moment. It's you're hurting and I want to help. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's that's really a great observation. Now, the wisdom of the world offers two main treatment paths for depression. They typically either classify it as a physical disease that can only be managed through medical means, 
or they approach it as an issue that can only be overcome through a more productive thought life. Why do you think the gospel of Jesus Christ gives sufferers a truer and better prescription? Mm, that's great. I I just love that the God of the Bible, the God who commands us to rejoice in him and all of that, right, is also the one who came as a human and was called a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. A man of sorrows. I mean, this is God himself became a man and he endured sorrow, grief, sadness. And I mean, you know, a lot of times, you know, depression can be very isolating. You know, maybe perhaps you have a friend or something that deals with it too. But I mean, talk about a friend who can truly understand what you go through. Man of sorrows. Or like in Hebrews, it talks about him, you know, offering up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. You know, this is Jesus Christ, a man who dealt with the full range of emotion and darkness that we can't even comprehend. I mean, not only the Garden of Gethsemane and the cross, but the cross cast a dark shadow over his entire life. He had multiple times in John where all of a sudden he says, my, my soul has become very sorrowful. And he's having these, you know, kind of foreshocks mm. of, of the cross. You know, he knows his hour is coming. And um, one thing to think about, too, I mean, depression does feel in some ways like a little taste of hell. Mm-hmm. You know, it's but it isn't hell. And, and he has endured the true darkness, you know, a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, a, a place we'll never have to experience. And, and he did that by experiencing that for us in our place. And so I, I just think, you know, as we're in depression, we think, you know, like, why would God allow me to be in this and things like that? The one thing we can know for sure is that it isn't because he doesn't care, because he's endured a much greater darkness to deliver us from eternal darkness, Right. We have the kind of savior that endured this. He doesn't just sit up on, you know, on his throne and decree things in our lives that he himself has not endured. I find a huge blessing there. Yeah, even in Charles Spurgeon's teachings, you know, there were times when he would suggest that it was more of a comfort to someone who was despondent to reflect on the sufferings of Christ than it is Mm. to actually reflect upon the resurrection. Not that the resurrection was not necessary. Of course, this is Charles Mm -hmm. Spurgeon. He's not going to, you know, talk some blasphemous statement, but just the reality that we, I can identify with that man of sorrows who has suffered where we have suffered and that he has gone before us, but he also goes with us. You know, he Mm -hmm. went through the despondency and the, you know, the, the mire, but he also helps us to shoulder that burden as we are walking through it. If there is someone listening today who is dealing with somewhat mysterious waves of depression, can you offer them some practical steps for attending to their spiritual and physical needs? Yeah. So, I mean, I do think it's important. And I think we most pastors advise, you know, that if you're dealing with things like this, that, you know, get a medical workup, make sure there's not something medically going on there. You know, dealing with some of the physical things, if there's certain, you know, certain lifestyle things, sleep too much alcohol, lack of exercise. I mean, there could be a lot of physical type things to take care of. If those are kind of already in place and the person's healthy, involved in church, you know, serving, connected with other believers in the word, all those things that we look for, and it's just still there. I really, really, really love Psalm 42 and 43. It's super practical. 
And, um, and the steps that he has in there are things like in verse four, where he says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. And so prayer, you know, we're going to pour it out. And I know some people be like, oh, you know, you're just saying it's a quick fix. You're just going to pray about it and go away. I'm not at all saying that because that's not been my experience. But what I really like here is that he pours out his soul and he just says exactly what he's dealing with. And he speaks it all out to the Lord. And you know, I think a lot of times we come to prayer and we want to pray prayers that are, you know, theologically sound and, and, you know, maybe with a stiff upper lip and things like that. But if you read the psalmist, they just complain. They just give it all to the Lord. I think doing it out loud is good. Just do it all out to the Lord. And sometimes the psalmist and the things they're saying, they're overstating their situation or they're speaking out of ignorance or just their pain has, has gotten away from them and they're saying things that aren't true. Like, that's fine. <laughs> you know, like, give them what you got, you know, pour out your your soul, like, let every emotion that you have be processed through prayer. And then I also love too how he and I think you probably have talked about this before on your podcast, but he preaches to his own soul, you know, he says, why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? I think to really question the way we're seeing the world is important because depression is a perception problem. You know, I can today be fine with all the things I'm juggling and the problems I have and the issues that worry me. And then tomorrow, all of a sudden, the darkness sets in and things that I could deal with before I can't deal with anymore. Well, what is that? That's, it's a perception problem. And so I think we really need to ask ourselves, why are you downcast on my soul? Like what's actually changed from yesterday that has brought you to this place? And I think you'll find as you list them out that they're not believable. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the things that it's like, well, you know, I, this financial thing. Well, you had that yesterday, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and you come to kind of realize like these, these reasons aren't the real reasons. The real problem is, is that I have a perception problem, like a, like a pilot whose instruments are broken and they're flying through a storm. Like, I'm not seeing things clearly, you know, I'm, I, I'm not, my addition is not, is not right, you know, and then he, he says to himself, he says, hope in God, he says, hope in God, he says, you'll again praise him. And that's been really fun, helpful for me too, to just think, I feel like there was a real turning point when I started in depression, realizing that it wasn't permanent, mm -hmm. you know, and I know there's probably some people listening that Maybe they've been depressed for really, really long periods of time. Mine come and go. So I, I know what it was like to not be in this state. And I know, in, at least intellectually, that I won't be in this state permanently. And so just having a sense for like, I'm just going to trust God in the meantime, and I'm not going to make any big decisions when I'm in this state of darkness. You know, I'm not going to make long-term decisions over with short-term emotions, you know. I'm not going to quit anything or tell anybody off or <laughs> make mm -hmm. any big pronouncements to my family, you know, about the state of our family. Like, you, I'm not thinking straight. I, I need to kind of just wait <laughs> and be quiet, you know. And that includes, I mean, big decisions like suicide. Like, you don't make that decision when you're not clear. Right. And, you know, obviously that's that's never the path to take. But, I mean, even more so, you should be thinking, like, I'm not seeing reality for what it is. And I think that's been super helpful to me. And then Psalm 42, 5 says, hoping God, I shall again praise him. You know, light will come. I'm going to wait for him. And I know I'm not waiting alone. I have the man of sorrows with me. <laughs> he's here and he knows what this is like. And even when I don't sense him, I know he's with me. 
know, he's reaching out in all kinds of ways and I'm going to wait for him. Yeah, those are all really great suggestions. Thank you so much for offering those up. I really resonate with, with a lot of what you said there. I want to close the show. We're running out of time, but every episode I give my guest the opportunity to speak directly to the audience. So there may be someone listening to this episode who is currently struggling with the mystery of depression. Maybe they have tried all the recommended remedies and have continued to be weighed down by their sorrows. They may have previously enjoyed a fruitful fellowship with Christ, but now they're struggling to cope with just a general feeling of indifference or dread, and they just simply don't know why. What would you say to that person to help them to take courage and trust God with the mysteries of their sorrows? Yeah, so this is, you know, we're assuming that a person has already, you know, rolled out any physical causes and they're, you know, basically doing the things that a faithful Christian is going to do, right? They're and fellowship with other believers and the word, and prayer, serving, those kinds of things. And then they're still just encountering times of just unexplained darkness. And um, once again, I really would turn to Psalm 42 and 43. And I would just work through each little phrase of that and just realize that this isn't a text that's just been thrown to you. You know, like, Oh, here, here's your prescription. Take that. This, this is a guy's actual experiences. This is his diary, you know? So it isn't like he's a guy that doesn't deal with the darkness you're dealing with and just says, Oh, take this, take two of these and you'll feel better in the morning. He's actually unpacking his own experience. And the great thing about it, it's, it's called at the top, it says it's a masculine. And what that means is that it's an instructive Psalm. And so it's not just lamenting, but it's actually instructions. And he's actually just unpacking his experiences. And I have just found spending time, and I don't know, I don't think the person's named on that psalm. I've just spent, I, I can't wait to get to know him, <laughs> mm. um, whoever wrote that, because I've spent so much time with him, and it's been super helpful. I would pray through that and, and spend time in that passage. Now, if there's someone listening today who would like to get connected with your pastoral ministry, where can they go to listen to your sermons? Do you have a website available for that where they can listen to you preach? Oh, yeah. So it's um, covgracemenifee.org. So it's C-O-V and then grace and then menifee, M-E-N-I-F-E-E dot -E -E org. And if you go to that, there's there's links to our podcast and stuff. And um, there's a couple of messages that that I've done on depression that people have really appreciated. And you know, occasionally I'll even listen to that message if I'm in a place of real darkness. Like talk about preaching to yourself, right? Mm -hmm. um, like literally. So um, there's there's one on Psalm 42:43, and then there's one that's on Elijah that's in that in that list. And um, yeah, we would love for them to to take a listen, and if they're in the area, to join us. Well, I will be sure to include links to those two messages that you referenced on the show notes yep. page and also to the Cove Grace Menifee website so people can check it out and, and get to know where the church is if they are in the area. So, Pastor Eric, thank you so much for joining me today talking about this topic of, of mystery and depression. And, and thanks for being vulnerable and sharing parts of your story with us just for the purposes of offering gospel hope and help to those who might be walking through a similar journey. Oh, yeah, I'm totally happy to do it. And um, I'm super encouraged by what you're doing here with this podcast. And um, just amazing to see God's work in your life. And, you know, just going all the way back to him calling you to himself. And then 
you know, dealing with these things and then wanting to help others with it. And so it's just a super encouraging story of discipleship, what you're doing here. So I really appreciate this. I think as far and wide as this can be spread would be a good thing. So anyway, thanks for letting me be a part of it. Before we let you go, I'd like to remind you to visit faithfulsparrow.com forward slash project. There you can check out the show notes from today's episode, complete with links to Eric's audio sermons. If you enjoyed today's conversation, I would be so thankful if you left a review for the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Be sure to subscribe to be notified when new weekly episodes release. Also, please don't keep the Hope and Help Project a secret. If you know someone who could be encouraged by listening to this episode, please do them a favor by sharing it. One more thing, if you're looking for gospel hope and help for life's challenging problems, visit faithfulsparrow.com forward slash email. I send my email subscribers weekly biblical counseling resources on rotating topics. From videos, audios, articles, and recommended reading, these emails are designed to equip you to discover gospel hope and help in your own life. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. Be sure to join us next time on the Hope and Help Project.